is arguably the strongest emotion known to man. Have you ever been stricken with fear? Your heart races, your muscles get tense, your body may shake, you're suddenly dizzy or you get a pit in your stomach. It's as if everything stops and you can't focus on anything else. Fear is something we all try to avoid. But Psalm 128 tells us something surprising about fear. Verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not a popular sermon topic because I think the concept can be a bit mystifying to us, even negative. But by my count, fearing God is mentioned at least 150 times in the Bible. And according to the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, gives confidence, keeps us from evil, brings blessing, honor, and is the beginning of wisdom. As we continue to travel with the Israelite pilgrim on this journey of life, I believe we must understand what it means to fear the Lord rightly. So today, I want to try and demystify the fear of the Lord by defining what it is and why it's good news. You probably realize that we live in a culture that is increasingly fearful. Because our response to fear is so powerful, it is used as a weapon by politicians, the media, corporations, and unfortunately, even the church. Our response to wrong fear is a right fear. Paul Tripp wrote, I am deeply persuaded that the only solution to fear is fear. In other words, fear is defeated only by a bigger, greater fear. When the fear of God overwhelms and controls your heart, it protects you from the paralyzing and debilitating fear of other things. It's only when God looms hugely larger than anything you could ever face in this fallen world that your heart is able to experience peace. If you are battling fear in your own life, the answer is to trade your fear for the peace-giving fear of the Lord. Let's read Psalm 128, a psalm of ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the pros prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Psalm 128 promises that those who fear the Lord will receive blessing. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Let's first talk about what the fear of the Lord isn't. I think we recoil at the thought of fearing the Lord because we don't want to fall into a negative view of God. And there is good reason for that. When we fear God because we fear punishment, we'll end up falling into legalism, trying to follow lots of rules to stay in God's favor. As I once heard the lovely Lissy Cooley remark, as parents, we want our children to obey us and do good works, not because they're afraid of us, but because they love and respect us. God is like a good parent. But it's not enough to categorize the fear of the Lord as simply love and respect. The words awe and reverence come closer to describe it. But I think it's no mistake God ordained the scripture writers to use fear as the emotion we experience relating to God. Even love is not powerful enough of a word. 
because our use of it can be anywhere on a spectrum from mild to strong. We can say we love our pets, we love pizza, and we love God. Obviously, our level of love for each is different. Michael Reeves, in his book, Rejoice and Tremble, argues the nature of a love is defined by its object. So our love of God should be defined by his divine character. Reeves goes on to say the living God is infinitely perfect and quintessentially overwhelmingly beautiful in every way. His righteousness, his graciousness, his majesty, his mercy, his all. And so we do not love him aright if our love is not a trembling, overwhelmed, and fearful love. God, the creator of all things, is a marvel. Just to gaze upon what he created, the beauty and wonder of the universe is mind-blowing. Charles Spurgeon in his book, A Fear to be Desired, wrote, Gazing upon the vast expanse of waters, looking up to the innumerable stars, examining the wing of an insect, and seeing there the matchless skill of God displayed in the minute, or standing in a thunderstorm, watching as best you can the flashes of lightning, and listening to the thunder of Jehovah's voice, have you not often shrunk into yourself and said, Great God, how terrible art thou! Not afraid, but full of delight, like a child who rejoices to see his father's wealth, his father's wisdom, his father's power, happy and at home, but feeling oh so little. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you'll know what Spurgeon means. There's nothing quite like it. It's a scene you can barely take in. It's so overwhelmingly beautiful. That is why it has earned a spot as one of the seven natural wonders of the world. My family visited when I was a child, and I remember the sheer awesome grandeur of it made me fearful even to get too close. I wouldn't dare go up to the edge. Geologist John Wesley Powell said the wonders of the Grand Canyon cannot be adequately represented in symbols of speech, nor by speech itself. So too our God. He cannot be comprehended nor adequately described by mere words. As one stands speechless before the Grand Canyon, we stand trembling before its creator. The only fitting word to describe our response to God and his awesome majesty is fear. As I said before, we don't need to cower in dread of God, but God is both loving and holy. He is both merciful and just. In fact, Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body, but not cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There is a right fear of God's judgment. The Bible is clear that those who do not know him will spend eternity in a most fearful place. No one is exempt from his wrath. Romans 3 tells us none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And a few verses later, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. These verses are uncomfortable, aren't they? But the thing is, our fear of God's wrath is actually good news. God would not be a good and loving God if he did not exact justice upon all wrongdoing. His wrath is actually the outworking of his love. Out of his love, he cleanses us of all our sin. And we relate to God, not as a distant, detached being, but as our Father and we, His children. Look at it this way. We've had a few bear sightings in our little town of Newfields lately. 
And I got a text from a neighbor one morning saying, just to let you know, the mama bear and her cubs just went walking by our house headed toward yours. Now, if I was face to face with that bear, I would be terrified, right? Knowing just what that mama bear could do to me. But if I'm that mama bear's cub, all of that strength and power and ferocity is now my protection. It fights for me, not against me. To borrow an illustration from John Piper, imagine you're hiking a mountain and a storm suddenly descends upon you. You find a cave to stay in until it passes and the full force of a hurricane blows upon the mountain, but you are totally secure in the cleft of the rock. You tremble in awe at the pure power and majesty of the hurricane from a place of absolute safety. Christ is the cleft of rock we find refuge in before God's wrath. What above all should cause our hearts to be awestruck with wonder at our Lord? The cross. Because of our sin, we deserved the full penalty of God's wrath and justice. But because of his great love and mercy, we are cleared of guilt before him. Because of the cross, we are chosen, forgiven, redeemed, and adopted. There is nothing we have done to earn it. It is a gift. That's what we call grace, an undeserved, unmerited gift from God, that we are forgiven of all our sin, completely clean and purified before God, and called his daughters and sons. Jesus Christ, though he was God, became human and took on our punishment. The full force of God's wrath and justice was poured into Christ upon the cross that we might be free. That radical grace should cause us to tremble before him. It should make us fall to our knees in overwhelming, overflowing, fearful love for him. And what's more, through Christ, we are given a fear of God. God promised through the prophet Jeremiah, they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. I love the NIV version which says, I will inspire them to fear me. We are not left to drum up this right fear on our own. God gives us new eyes to see him as he is, new hearts to love him. He says, I will be faithful with all my heart and all my soul so that as a response to my great love, you will love me with all your hearts and with all your souls so that we would fear him. He puts the fear of God in us that we would not turn away. He inspires us to fear him. The good news of fearing God is that when he has our attention, our awe, our praise, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. That's because we are reminded that he is greater, he is in control, and he is working all things for our good. We're reminded that these things are temporary and he is eternal. We're reminded that we see things only in part and he knows all and ordains all. 
We fear the things of this world because they can harm us, but our fear placed in God will never be answered with harm, only good. The other good news is that as Proverbs 16, 6 says, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Through fearing the Lord, we actually turn from sin. God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us walk in his ways. If you're like me, your journey of faith has been learning and relearning that his plans are better, he is wiser, and life is best when I'm walking in the path he has for me. Like a little chick who knows he's most secure and safe when under the wing of mother hen. That's what Psalm 128 is reminding us, that the fear of the Lord brings blessing. For the Israelite, that meant a prosperous farm and thriving family. We may not expect the exact same blessing, but our attitude toward God does affect those around us. I am a living testament to that. My dad's father was a Nazarene pastor for over 40 years. His wife, my grandmother, still diligently read her Bible and kept her prayer list until she passed away at the age of 96. My mom's dad worked for Youth for Christ for many years and served as president of his local Gideon's chapter, an evangelical organization that distributes free Bibles, most famously in motel side tables. He and my grandmother in their later years actually had a tape ministry with choral music and a short sermon they sent to over 350 subscribers through the mail. My faith is a gift from God, but credit can certainly be given to my God-fearing grandparents. They lived modest lives with quiet humility. I'm sure that they had their faults and their struggles, but through years of ministry, marriage, raising children and grandchildren, they still had a passion for the Lord. You never know who your awe and fearful love of the Lord may affect. Your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. A love for the Lord may be passed down in your family for generations to come. If you are in Christ, you've been given a fear of the Lord, but we can grow in it. And in order to do so, we need only know Him more. Because as we behold him, we see more of his perfect character, more of his love, more of his grace, more of his wisdom and holiness, and we can't help but be in awe. We learn his character by studying his word. Proverbs 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Yes, let's search the scriptures like it has hidden treasure. Let's call out for insight, praying and asking the Lord to reveal himself to us, to increase our awe of him. If you've been a believer for some time and your walk with God has felt dry or the concerns of this world have loomed large lately, I want to encourage you, remember back to when you first believed. Remember the joy you experienced, the overwhelming gratitude, the awe. Reflect back on the ways God has spoken to you, the prayers he has answered, the ways he has grown you and changed you. I like to read through my old journals to see how God was speaking to me in different seasons of life. 
When we see an amazing view like the Grand Canyon, we take a picture so we can look back and remember the beauty of it. We too need to look back on the mountaintop views of our spiritual lives to remind ourselves what it was like to behold His beauty. Praise and worship, too, can give us a renewed sense of awe of our Lord. That is basically what worship is. It's expressing our delight in our Savior. So this week, when you're lacking awe or feeling fearful, turn on some worship music or pray out in praise for who He is and what He has done in your life. Praise turns our minds and hearts away from the fears of this world to the one who has overcome the world. If you've never walked with Jesus and fear has been a controlling power in your life, I just want to invite you to wonder at the cross. Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death for you and for me. He died and rose again that you might have a peace that surpasses understanding. The fear of the Lord is good news, not just for us, but for the world. When we fear God, not the things of the earth, people will take notice. That kind of grand awe is infectious. It will draw people in. And we have good news for them. We hold the key that so many are searching for to find peace in the midst of a fearful world. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus saying, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. He delighted because he knew his fearfully holy, fearfully good Father. Have you ever been overcome by the Holy Spirit? Your heart races, your body may shake, you're suddenly dizzy, or you get butterflies in your stomach. It's as if everything stops and you can only focus on Him. You see, there is a delight in fearing the Lord. Does He have your awe, your wholehearted, trembling love? If I'm honest, all too easily, too often, the things of this world have my attention and my fear. Join me in praying for a greater awe, that we would all behold the glory of God and tremble, that we would, like Christ, delight in the fear of the Lord. I want to know you better.